you cool cats and kittens. So we're doing things the same as last week if you happen to listen. We are under quarantine right now. So the microphone quality is not going to be great for Leah and Brandy. But don't worry, I'm talking first and you could peace the fuck out. And yeah, so I'm Michelle. I'm Leah. And I'm Brandy. Oh, Brandy, say that again. Oh, I oh, oh no. <laughs> Leah, be quiet. <laughs> it, it, like, went so fast. Like, your computer wasn't processing it. <laughs> and I'm ready. You there we no. go. No, that's good enough. That's good enough. We're moving on, folks. <laughs> and this and is... And I'm Brandy. And I'm Leah. And this is Spooky Shit and Tales from the Beyond. <laughs> Alright, this week we are talking about hotels. So, I'm going to be talking about the Stanley Hotel. In 1903, Freeland Oscar Stanley, who helped mint the steam-powered car, was diagnosed with life-threatening tuberculosis. I said that so positively. Given that it was the early 1900s, he was told that his best course of treatment was what most other lungers, as they were called back then, did, which was to get a lot of fresh, dry air and sun and eat more heartily. Yeah, so him and his wife, Flora, moved to Estes Park, Colorado, didn't Google to say it, to be closer to nature for the summer. They enjoyed so much that they ended up coming back every single year, and within a few years, he'd actually recovered from his tuberculosis completely. So this weird fresh air and hearty foods thing works. I don't know. Life hack? So in 1907, he decided he was over all the rustic accommodations around town and wanted to turn his summer town, wanted to turn his summer hometown into a resort town instead. So that year, the construction of the Stanley Hotel began. It was going to end up being a 49-room hotel that would cater to more wealthy people like his social circle back home in Massachusetts. So the main hotel was completed in 1909 and a boutique hotel addition called the lodge was finished a year later i don't know if it's like connected or if it's just on the same property but they're there and they're both haunted so stanley basically kept the hotel up as a hobby and he told somebody that he spent more money on it than he actually made back and by 1930 he had sold the hotel first to a private company who was supposed to run it but when that failed he sold it to a fellow automobile and hotel mogul for good so up until 1983, the hotel was only open during the warmer seasons and it would close for the winter because they didn't have heaters. This hotel, Leah, you'll like this. It must be a Stephen King book. It inspired Stephen King to write The Shining. Yes. <laughs> I was just about to butt in. I was like, that sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. I have a whole Stephen King sh- section I'm going to get to. Some of the little homages that they have for The Shining, they installed a hedge maze in 2015 because they have one in the movie, and they have the movie playing 24-7 on a designated TV channel in the hotel rooms. They're really trying to live up to that hype of being scary. So despite its mostly peaceful early history, the hotel has a reputation for being haunted that didn't just begin with The Shining. It's had many paranormal investigative guests, and the hotel itself even offers guided ghost tours. Employees of the hotels are used to the paranormal activity and have tips for people trying to get pictures of the spirits, as well as a television screen outside the tour office that has, like, (laughs) fucking, whatchamacallit, when it's, like, a slideshow. A slideshow of ghost pictures that ghosts have caught just playing outside the office. (laughs) 
And I just want to say that that joke didn't fall flat. Leah at least laughed there to some of you. Brandy did too. Due to expansions over the uh -huh. years. Thank you. Due to expansions over the years, the hotel now has 420 rooms. Would anyone like to cut in with a blazon? No one? Sorry. Sorry. What? It took me so long to press unmute. 420 blazon, <laughs> bitches. Thank you. Mute yourself. It has ballrooms. It has dining areas. It even has an underground cave system because of course it does. And it has been referred to as a Disneyland for ghosts. Some of the more general things that guests have reported experiencing throughout the entire hotel include lights flickering on and off, doors suddenly slamming shut on their own. I read about one guest who had bad feelings of fear and cold whenever they would walk by the lodge. So, I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know. People would see shadows of other people who weren't there. They'd get chills for no reason, hear the laughter of children, items would move around by themselves, electronics would malfunction. An apparition of Mr. Stanley himself has been seen at the reception desk checking people in because he just can't let it go. People see orbs floating and strange lights and pictures people take will be deleted there on their own. Objects fly out of people's hands. Despite many reports of people seeing and hearing children, there's actually no record of children's dying at the hotel. So one thing I read that could explain this would be a quote that said, places get ghosts for different reasons, such as tragedy or bloodshed, but also people tend to haunt places where they were very happy during their lifetime, which was kind of nice. So now I guess, wait, I was going to say that I thought the children were like demons. That's it. Well, it could be worse, I guess. I guess. I'm sorry. I thought mine was like nice and cute. Yours like demons. I should have kept myself on mute. My bad. Yeah. Push yourself back on you, bitch. So, first room is room 217. In 1974, Stephen King stayed at the Stanley Hotel. He was struggling with his next novel and happened to check in the hotel with his wife at the time of the year when all the guests were checking out because winter was pretty close. They were the only ones staying at the hotel. It's a good, good place to get inspired for a fucking scary novel. So that night, King got a drink at the hotel bar and then wandered the halls, and by the time he got back to his room, he was inspired for the novel. He was imagining a story in a similar remote location, large in size and eerie and empty. When he got into his room, he looked at the claw-footed tub in his bathroom and thought, this is a quote, this is some weird-ass fucking thing, but it's a quote. What if somebody died here? At that moment, I knew I had a book. Very Stephen King. Leah laughed. Brandy looked disinterested. So... <laughs> <laughs> Him and his wife were served dinner at one point during the stay at, in the completely empty dining hall where recorded orchestral music was playing for them, which sounds already eerie enough. About this, he said, except for our table, all the chairs were up on the table, so the music is echoing down the hall, and I mean, it was like God had put me there to hear and see those things, and by the time I went to bed that night, I had the whole book in my mind. Again, amazing. the most Stephen King thing ever. <laughs> he's great. He is. He's very talented. I didn't know, but he actually wasn't super famous back then. This was, The Shining was only like his third novel. Because I was like, oh, they probably saw that it was Stephen King. And we're like, yeah, you could stay here. But in reality, they're probably like, I don't know who the fuck you are. I think he got really famous after that book and the movie came out. Yeah, I think so. So he also that night had dreams about his son roaming the hotel and being chased by a fire hose that had come to life. Which I think happens in the book. Um, I haven't gotten to that part yet. Spoils. I don't know. So yeah. He saw stuff. Chasing his son in his dreams. 
And I also read rumors from some websites, but not every, that he saw a young child wandering around the hotel during his stay calling out for their nanny and heard young girls laughing outside of their room while they were, like, sleeping despite there being no other guests at the hotel. Damn, so maybe that's where he got the inspiration for the twins. For sure. I've also read, like, some weird-ass stories of you being like, we looked outside and there was two twin girls dressed up in costume. Because I guess people, like, and it wasn't even supposed to be scary. People just do fan shit like that at the hotel. But anyway. Room 217 is the most requested room in the hotel for more than just being connected to Stephen King. It's also thought to be haunted by Elizabeth Wilson, also known as Mrs. Wilson, who was the hotel's head housekeeper back in the early 1900s. So supposedly a storm caused a gas leak and she went to light the lanterns in the room because it was back in the day. And when she went to light it up, the room, the room exploded. The entire floor was destroyed and she was blown through it. She survived. All she did was break both of her ankles. Wait, she lived? She lived. You think that's going to be like, oh God, she died in the room. Nope. Just something traumatic I happened in the room. I thought you were saying that she got blown up pretty much. Nope, the room exploded and sent her crashing through the floor, breaking both of her ankles, but she survived. Obviously. <laughs> it's, I don't know how the fuck she survived, but... So yeah, despite this, she recovered and kept working at the hotel until she died peacefully when she was older. And some think that she, after she died, her spirit came back to the room just because a big part of her life happened there <laughs> when you get blown through a floor. Mrs. Wilson is known for being pretty old-fashioned, and if you're an unwed couple staying in the room together, it's not super unlikely that you and your partner will feel a cold force coming between you like she has come to lay in the middle of you guys while you're in bed. Which what more, a bus It sounds more like a threesome thing. She's laying in the middle of you guys. She's like, all right, let's go. Um, also, while alive, single men were not allowed to stay at the hotel. Side note, weird. But they had to check into the lodge instead, the place next door. It's reported that if you're a man alone in the hotel, in that room, she will pack up your luggage sometimes and leave it outside of your door for you to leave. And guests have also seen her hovering and walking through closed doors in the rebuilt room because, like, there used to be doorways there. Some have also come back to the room to find their clothes folded and put away for them or shoes lined up against the end of their bed. This is another fucking random fact, but Dumb and Dumber was filmed at the Stanley Hotel. Oh, the Alpine Colorado or whatever they called it. Whatever it was... Dumb and, resort. All I know is Dumb and Dumber was filmed there, which is so random and weird. So oh, okay. while filming Dumb and Dumber, Jim Carrey happened to stay at the Stanley Hotel in room 217. He was only there for a few hours when supposedly he came downstairs and demanded that he be moved to another room because something had happened and he didn't feel safe. When Do we, hmm? do we know what happened? Mm-mm. So whenever he was told that the hotel was fully booked, he decided to leave rather than go back to his room and he's never publicly said what happened that night. Oh, creepy. I was reading the stories and they're like, and the dumb and dumber thing. And I was like, what dumb and dumber thing? <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Stitch. Thanks for unmuting for that, Brent. So the next room I'm going to go to is room 302. There is a male ghost who some see as a shadow walking near the walls. Photos fly off the walls by themselves. And of course, ghost hunters is involved because they went there. Your boy Grant, I don't know who any of these people are. Claimed to see a table levitate in the room while he was changing film. Good time for the table lev to levitate. <laughs> Zag Baggins. Zag Baggins. When the hotel was pretty new, the fourth floor was basically a big attic where female employees, children, and nannies would stay. The attic was later turned into hotel rooms. So 
So while I was reading about these rooms and like the different hauntings that happened, a lot of the numbers seem mixed up. So I'm, I'm sorry that I'm laughing. Brandy keeps putting this fucking figurine into the video and I know I'm not going to be able to edit around my giggling. So it's not. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Thanks for taking it off mute to giggle, Brandy. <laughs> You're welcome. Quarantine day one. Brandy's still working. What is your excuse for that? I'm just losing my shit, bro. Shaved my head. Yeah, shaved your head. You're freaking out. You have a rock collection going. You're still working, (laughs) though. You have no reason for all this shit. (sighs) Okay. Fourth time starting this sentence. Let's see if I can get through it. While reading about these rooms haunting, some of the room numbers were kind of, like, mixed up. So some of them might seem a little repetitive because, low-key, they're probably the same room and people were just typing them out wrong and shit. But let's pretend it's all good and let's just fucking go for it. Room 401 is said to be haunted by the male ghost of Lord Dunraven, who owned the land where the hotel was built, like, long before it was fucking built, though. Women putting things in the closets in the room sometimes feel their hair being played with or someone touching their shoulder, waist, or leg. Because your boy's creepy. Ooh. Yeah, no thanks. Uh, Meanwhile, men will feel unwelcome and as though someone is pressing them to the bed. And their jewelry will disappear. So he's just uh, like, pushes them, he's like, go to sleep, and then steals their watch. Lord Farquaad ain't playing. Oh, I know. Guests have reportedly heard the sounds of children laughing and giggling, running around, and playing. There's a closet that's door is known for opening and shutting on its own. In an episode of Ghost Hunters, Jason is sleeping in this room, and the drinking glass he had on the nightstand imploded. As drinking glasses do when Jason's sleeping. One guest whose experience I read about said that they and their husband had tons of experiences while staying in their room. So they heard noises like children laughing and running, loud bangs, the window was shutting by itself. Their husband said in the middle of the night he tried to move closer to them and felt like there was somebody else there blocking him from moving. He also woke up having a panic attack and said he felt like he was suffocating, which he'd never experienced before. Me every night. Yep. That's why it sounds so lighthearted. I was like, what of it? The person who wrote it's thigh was touched and shook multiple times. Their whole body was moved and the bed itself moved. They could hear a growling from their closet and both of them had items that moved around by themselves. They also had their dog with them and said as soon as they got into the room, he started whining and through the trip, he would stare on alert at a chair by the closet. Did the dog growl back? The dog did not growl. The dog whined and then the dog would just stare at a chair. Oh my gosh. Room 407. There's a ghost living in this room who likes to turn the lights on and off. Mysterious noises have been reported in the room, and a face of a man often can be seen in the window of the room to guests looking up outside. But when guests notice him, he runs off to another part of the room. That would be me. Me, if I were a ghost, I'd be like, lights off, lights off. And then they, they catch me outside the window. I'm like, hee hee and run away. Like, ha ha, stop Got you. In this room, you can smell a musky smell like tobacco. Staff of the hotel have heard noises coming from inside when they know it's empty. And indentations have been seen on the bed like someone was laying there when nobody was checked in the night before. Guests in this room also sometimes suffer from claustrophobia or panic attacks for no reason. Stuff in the room moves by itself, sometimes violently. That'd be Leah as a ghost. Someone said, <laughs> someone said while staying in their room, the covers of the bed were moved in a peekaboo type way over the boyfriend's face. Which they say, like, it's cute, but I imagine more like a, I'm gonna suffocate you kind of way. That's terrifying. terrifying. No, no, it's not cute. It's not. 
People reported getting tucked in by the ghost if they kicked off their covers while in the room. And one ghost said she felt like someone was sitting on the edge of her bed. When she turned on the light, nobody was there, but there was an indentation, like somebody had just moved. All these things, like, would also make me scared that there's, like, a fucking intruder in my room. <laughs> room 413. Guests have reported seeing a man in old-fashioned clothes standing in the corner of the room. Other people have claimed to see a man's... <laughs> this is so weird. This is so weird. Please help me understand what this even means. Other people have claimed to see a man's face in a blue ball outside of the room. And Was I he blue balling? I don't know <laughs> what that means. Was he like a floating orb? Was it like a magic eight ball and it's just a dude's face? I think it's like an orb. It's so weird. I've read it on like multiple things. I was like, what does this mean? A blue ball floating? Like, <laughs> what? Like in that Scooby-Doo movie? You know, it's like a blue ball. Like, like, like the Scooby-Doo. Like That's almost exactly it. Thank you, Brandy. You're welcome. Um, walking has been heard overhead of this room, despite the fact that it's on the top floor. Children are heard laughing, and there's knocking in the corner of the room. Room 418, because the fourth floor is just the worst fucking floor in the world, I guess. This one in particular is haunted by children who like to play in the room. They flicker the lights, play with hangers, and even rip the covers off of guests while they sleep. I read about one young child who told her mom that a little boy was tickling her the night before, but left when she told him to stop. Tour guides sometimes feel like a child in this room is hugging them or holding their hand while giving tours. I saw a picture Aww. of someone was like, we took this as she said the little boy was hugging her, and it was just a girl standing there looking kind of uncomfortable. Oh, that's kind of cute. That's kind of cute. Unless it's a demon. Room 428 is haunted as well. We're going to be on the fourth floor for, oh, I was going to say a second, but this is the last one. Never mind. In this room, guests have reported hearing footsteps above them again, even though they're on the top floor. They've also heard tapping on their window, despite the fact that they're hella high up. Furniture in the room moves by itself. You can feel yourself being watched as you sleep. Sheets get tugged off of you, probably those little children again. One person said they felt like they were being pushed against their bed and couldn't move. Um, the bathroom door has slammed on its own. This room also is known because it has a friendly cowboy. So he's known to sit on the corner of the bed. And people have woken up in the middle of the night to see him pacing at the end of their bed. And women will report waking up and seeing him leaning in to go and kiss their foreheads. And he'll leave the room if you ask him. Howdy ho, what a gentleman. He's a nice cowboy. He just wants to kiss your head and tuck you in and then leave. Why am I just imagining a floating orb of the cowboy emoji? You're like a blue orb of a cowboy. <laughs> With a cowboy hat. Blue ball cowboy. The next one, I side note, because it's room 1211, so I think that this might be at the lodge because the numbers are like so weirdly different. So room 1211 has received lots of press because there's a lot of photos of apparitions that are taken in this room. The most famous one shows a young boy looking out of the window. And I'll post it on the Instagram, Tales from the Beyond podcast. Look that up or look on our Instagram and I'll post it. Room 1301, bottles were thrown into the bath by itself and objects were knocked over randomly. In room 1302, someone saw a full-bodied apparition running from the bathroom into the closet um, and somebody felt something shaking their feet. Another person claimed that their son woke up to a ghost cat tugging at his sheets. They used to have a billiards room in the hotel because, of course, they did. And despite there being no billiards table anymore, people can hear the sounds of, like, the balls breaking. There is no <laughs> good way to say the balls breaking. I know. 
first blue balls now balls breaking this is Michelle's on a good one today day 12 of corn quarantine oh brandy coming at the puns all right the smell of roses also lets you know that florist family sometimes frequents the ba- the billards room i almost said bollards god what the fuck dude she what we done to you i know i'm all about balls <laughs> So she was really big on good posture, which reminds me to sit up straight. And it said that she will go and pinch you or run a finger down the back of you or down your back to remind you to stand up straight. Her husband, Freeland Stanley, has also been seen walking around this room. There is a ghost at the hotel named Eddie, who I couldn't really trace back to any particular room, but he was nicknamed Stinky Man because he used to cause a nasty odor. But eventually, it seems like he took offense to the nickname and started to present himself with a more pleasant smell. That's what I used to get called in high school. They're like, hey, stinky man. Smell like ass. Yep. But yeah, stinky man was also known for being a prankster. And Loki a creep, he would stroke the hair and kiss the cheeks. That's... <laughs> that sounded weird. Kiss those cheeks. <laughs> he would stroke the hair and kiss face cheeks. Of women in hotel. You know, they call them face cheeks. Leah, you're gonna like this part. There also is a pet cemetery on the hotel property. And it was there before Stephen King wrote the book. Did he get inspired for pet cemetery? I don't even know if he saw it. I don't think it's a big thing. It's just a fucking weird coincidence. And it's where it's where the staff or families who stayed on the property would bury their animals. Oh, hell so I think yeah. I think it's safe to say that the staff just straight up lived here before. <laughs> it sounds like it. Yeah. In the pet cemetery, there's a grave for a golden retriever named Cassie, who guests have claimed to hear pawing at their doors, ready to deliver them the morning newspaper, which is the fucking cutest thing I've ever heard in my goddamn life. I love that. What a good boy. The other one, I didn't Google to say the name. Comanche? Comanche? Something? I don't know. It's another pet buried in the cemetery, and it's a fluffy white cat that people have seen wandering around the property. So that's probably the white cat that woke up the little boy. Around 2012 or 2013, the the cemetery was moved to make way for a wedding pavilion, so I'm not sure if it's still part of the ghost tours, but I hope so, because I just would want to see Cassie's grave. When they move a cemetery, does that mean that they dig up all these dead animals and move their bodies? I think if it's pets, they would probably just leave them and then build something over to be honest which is just move, move the tombstones and be like yeah, yeah cassie's over here yep that's fucked up uh located near the cemetery the pet cemetery is the ice house which was literally an ice house they kept ice in there before refrigerators were a thing straight up an ice house i don't know how it would stay cold but so this is also where a little boy spirit named billy is often found This description is questionable because I don't know how they would know all of this, but he's been described as being a kind, shy boy with dark brown hair who has autism, which I don't know how they would know that. Yes. But maybe they think that because he likes to, like, play with the hair of guests and is especially drawn to people who are, like, familiar with autism or, like, work with kids with autism. But yeah, he can be seen in photos as a misty figure and he's just a cute little boy who's not creepy. Another spirit that lives at the ice house is a man who has a large bushy beard and white hair. I could find no other details about him other than this. <laughs> Billy's dad, maybe? Fucking Santa Claus? I don't know. The grand stairway in the hotel is sometimes called the vortex. 
because it's known for its natural spiral of energy and as the rapid transit system. Their words, not mine, that's a lot. For the ghosts on the property. There have been many pictures and sightings of what appear to be ghostly apparitions on the stairs. Leah found one earlier. There's like five more. (laughs) That's what I was about to say when I searched the Stanley Hotel ghost pictures. Like the first four I saw were literally on the stairs. So I was just about to say that. Yeah, one of a woman wearing a woman wearing like old timey clothes standing at the top and she's like a dark figure. It's really creepy. Yeah, didn't see that one. So on the ghost night tour, they obviously have to include a visit to the underground cave system. It's so weird that they have that. But of course they do. Wait, why do they have that? Uh they used it back in the day for staff to move around. I don't Wait, know. I wonder if they're sleeping down in those tunnels. They're sleeping on the fourth floor. So. Oh, my bad. <laughs> they, that's where they kept all the shitty employees. Oh, and in the tunnels. <laughs> when you got in trouble. Oh, they also called it the tunnel. So That's so creative. It's very creative. Damn. But yeah, many people believe that spirits still remain there, including that of a former chef. Um, people have reported smelling home-baked goods throughout the tunnel, and they attribute that to him. Some people have also seen a gray cat ghost with green glowing eyes around here. She's a cute little baby, and maybe from the pet cemetery. Okay. Oh, another cat. Almost definitely from the pet cemetery. So, paranormal investigators point to the higher-than-average quantity of limestone and quartz down there to the number of ghosts inside, saying they draw spirits to the property. So, the music room is home to some spookiness as well. Flora Stanley was a pianist and can sometimes be heard playing the piano in the empty music room. The keys will move on their own and her apparition has been seen sitting there on the bench too. She's also been seen in the reflection of a mirror in the room. And just seeing stuff in mirrors? Worse. Nope. Once terrifying. Yeah. Like my own face. Brandy. Um, anyway. One story I read said that a guest played a few keys on the piano before complaining that it was out of tune. And after he said this, the cover slammed down on his hands. She was like, fuck you. Fuck my you, don't criticize good. me. It's very in tune. I tuned it myself 200 years ago, bitch. Guests can also hear music coming from the empty room and have claimed to see ghostly figures dancing. Very haunted mansion ride at Disneyland. And here we are again, back at Disneyland. Everything comes back to the Haunted Mansion right at Disneyland. There's got to be some hidden meaning here. As well as the music room, the hotel has a concert hall. It's a big-ass hotel. (laughs) So, in the ghost hall is Paul the Ghost. Did I say the ghost hall? Wow. In the concert hall is the ghost. (laughs) You gave it away. (laughs) So, in the concert hall is the ghost Paul. Um, He was a handyman at the hotel. He was really proud of his work, and one of his duties was to enforce the 11 p.m. curfew every night. Guests and workers out at night have heard somebody telling them get out around this time. I don't like him. He sounds annoying. I don't know. I don't think he does it in a mean way. I think he has a, like, this is my job, and I will keep doing it. Get out. Aww. But you could imagine it really creepy, like someone whispering, but you're like, get out. Get out. Anyway. Um, a construction worker once reported that he felt Paul nudge him towards the door while he was working because it was after curfew. This bitch is persistent. And ghost tour groups have said that he flickered flashlights for them, like, to communicate whenever he asked questions. So he's open to talking to people. Paul had his own room in the basement level of the concert hall, and he interacts with male guests who go in there. 
Some people begin to feel a heavy feeling in their chest like someone was sitting on them while in Paul's room, which guides have said is because he actually died of a heart attack. Oh, just like getting the feeling he had. Yeah, which is not a pleasant feeling. Across Paul's room is another ghost, a young girl named Lucy. Young girl slash young woman and couldn't figure out how old she was. She's believed to be a runaway or a homeless teen, probably teen, who may have died from exposure after being kicked out of the hall. She can Oh. Yeah. She... Wait, she she died because it was, like, winter there or what? Probably because they didn't have, like, heaters back then and stuff. And it's in Colorado, so it's fucking cold. Damn. But she's very friendly. She communicates with ghost hunters often. She hums and she talks with them through flashlight flickering. But she doesn't like it when people try to take pictures of her. In one story I read about Lucy, a woman had gone into her room and taken a photo of it without, like, thinking about the fact that she wasn't supposed to. That night, she woke up around 3 because she felt something brush past her side. She said the the flash of a face went by and she felt a teddy bear smack her in the face. <laughs> I don't know. She wasn't sure this was Lucy who was, like, upset with her if it was just a dream, but just in case she deleted the picture. <laughs> There are supposedly more children in the concert hall who are unknown. On ghost tours, guests are asked who is good with children and the ones who are given a lollipop to hold. So it's said that while you're walking around trying to talk to the children, sometimes you'll feel or see them tugging at the lollipop in your hand. And some people like will have it just like straight pulled out of their hand. She's like, give me that shit. Give me that candy. That would suck to be a boy. ghost and you can't even eat the lollipops. And they're You're basically just taunting dead children at that Aww, point. Kind Jesus, of, kind so of cool. fucked up. Also in the basement of the concert hall is a haunted object, because it's not just not just ghost here. Again, with the creative names, tour guides call it Creepy Mirror. So, Wow, what yeah. is it? What object is it? It's actually a plunger. <laughs> I don't know why a plunger was the first thing I thought of. In case anyone thinks I'm being serious, it's a mirror. What? <laughs> you really had me fooled there, Michelle. April Fool's! So this mirror is older than the hotel itself, and it's not known where exactly it came from. Visitors who take a picture of themselves in it can sometimes look back later and see figures standing next to them that weren't there when they took the picture. And that's my story. That was a lot of talking. All right. Well, I guess I will go now. I'm going to be talking about none other than the Cecil Hotel. But wait, Leah, that sounds familiar. If that name sounds familiar to you listeners, it's because I've actually mentioned it in two previous episodes, episode three and episode 10. Wait, like what? A, yeah. And just a trigger warning. <laughs> mine has a lot of suicide, like a lot, and a lot of murder. So if that's not your cup of tea, then just skip me and go to Brandy. Unless Brandy has that too, then just end the podcast. I hear Brandy's <laughs> little face pop back up like, maybe don't come back. True. So it only seemed right that since we decided to talk about haunted hotels, I would choose the one I keep finding my way back to. So it's really haunted history inspired the season Hotel of American Horror Story. Oh. This hotel is infamous for murder, suicide, and a couple of mysterious deaths, as you may have heard in the mysterious death episode. Yeah. However, I'll be focusing my attention more on the true crime side of Cecil rather than ghost stories and haunts. It's not because I didn't want to include ghost stories. It's because, although everyone talks about the Cecil being so haunted in one of the most haunted hotels in all of America, there's no goddamn stories I could find. Not on Reddit, 
Not anywhere. Not even on TripAdvisor. I know, right? Some dumb ass shit. So it's going to be more true crime from my side, which I happen to be a little more interested in than ghost stuff. So hopefully you guys like what I'm about to say. So there have been over 16 confirmed deaths that have occurred at the Cecil, and I'll be diving into some of the most notable shortly. I can't talk about all of them because talking about 16 deaths, that's kind of like talking about 16 haunted rooms like Michelle just did. Yikes. But um, Okay, the Cecil Hotel was built in 1927 by hotelier William Banks Hanner. So, the address is 640 South Main Street, Los Angeles, California. Hannah had spent $1 million on the 700-room Beaux-Arts Sci Hotel, complete with a marble lobby, stained glass windows, palm trees, and a lavish staircase. Lavish. So, see, stuff like that, I could see why uh, people like Elisa Lamb would ski and be like, oh, this has got to be a nice hotel. The lobby actually looks really nice. It's just once you take that's the elevator what- up. That's probably what they show off in every single picture. I'm sure it's just the lobby. (laughs) Yes, if you search for the Cecil Hotel, or what it's known as now, is to stay on Main, then most of the pictures are either outside or they show the lobby. And then it's more so like you have to look on YouTube to see how the hallways look because they look so sketchy. They just trick you. So, however, just two years after, business began to waver when the Great Depression began. So that was 1929 when the Great Depression started. Okay. Um, so revenue during the Great Depression in the later 1930s was somewhat steady, the business maintained at the Cecil, and through this de- decade, it maintained its reputation as a fashionable destination. But beginning in the 1940s and forward, the Cecil began a quick descent into the city hotel we see it as today. The surrounding area, which was dubbed Skid Row, had become home to over 10,000 transients, and with this... The hotel lost its reputation and prices dropped dramatically. Like the, in the 80s, it was $14 a week. So just God put that damn. in perspective. So it pretty much became a breeding place for crime. So the first known death to occur was that of 46-year-old W.K. Norton in 1931. He had checked into the hotel a week prior to his suicide by poison capsules. Oh, God. I know. That's one that's, way to do that's it. That's very 1940s. In 1937, and also, um, I'm not going to mention it in here, but there was somebody else who died the same way. They killed themselves by poison capsules later on. I think in the later 40s. I guess Um, they just stopped making poison capsules at some point. Yes, I think so. (laughs) Um, Like I said, I'm not going to be talking about all the suicides, just like a couple that are significant. So in 1937, a woman jumped from the ninth floor, um, and unfortunately... Uh, her body, as it fell, landed on a bunch of telephone wires, and they, <gasps> she was found entangled in telephone wires <gasps> on the concrete below. She didn't get caught in them, but yeah, so... She got electrocuted just, on her way down, though. Not even that. I was just thinking about the force of hitting those wires. That must have been painful. Well, at least if she got shocked, it'd probably kill her instantly. Well, I- falling on the concrete's gonna kill you instantly. <laughs> Ten other confirmed suicides have taken place at the hotel since. The most used method of suicide is jumping out of the building, uh, one of the higher floors, obviously. And oh. also, uh, in case you guys are wondering, the building is 14 stories high. Oof. So, like I said, one life was claimed by poison capsules, another from gunshot wound to the head, and the most grisly of all, this one's really bad. Trigger warning, I think in the 1940s, an ex-military member, he was like a, he was literally an officer. He killed himself by cutting his neck with a razor. Isn't that awful? Dude, I was so shook when I read that. Oh, I can't even imagine. In 1962, a woman named Pauline Ottman was so shaken up by an argument with her estranged husband that she leapt out of her ninth floor window (gasps) and 
She hit a pedestrian on the way down. Oh, fuck. So he did she, too? Yeah, so George Gianni, a 65-year-old man, was walking along the sidewalk below and was killed on impact as Pauline's body struck him before he could even realize what was happening or even look up. When police first came on scene, they suspected that perhaps Pauline and George had made a suicide pact and then they'd both jumped together. But after examining the bodies a little further, they realized that wasn't the case. George's hands were still in his pockets and his shoes were still on, which would have been very, very unlikely if he had jumped out the window, especially having the hands in the pocket. That was one of the craziest and most unlucky deaths I've ever heard of, personally. Yeah. Her story is that she killed herself after getting in an argument with her estranged husband. What if yeah. he, like, pushed her out or something? He, um, apparently he was already, like, outside of the, outside of the hotel, like, walking away. Oh, okay. So I was like, that I sounds... Wonder, and it makes me wonder, too, like, if he saw it happen. Oh, fuck. Because it said he was leaving the hotel and he was already outside. We'll never know the answer to that one. Um, but beyond suicides, the Cecil has its fair share of murders starting just in 1944, just a couple years after opening. Jeez. So, 19-year-old Dorothy Purcell. Do you need to do a trigger warning here? Okay, my whole episode is a trigger warning. This one's going to be kind of bad, actually. So Skip a couple don't, minutes. Don't listen if you have... Uh, like a weak stomach but 19 year old Dorothy Purcell was sleeping in bed with her boyfriend when she was awoken by a sharp pain in her abdomen she didn't dare wake up her boyfriend so she tipped out of the bathroom and ended up going into labor she had no idea she was even pregnant and she was terrified and didn't even wake the boyfriend at all she was so scared when she gave birth to the baby boy she immediately went to the window and threw her baby out of it oh my god they, they found the baby at a hotel adjacent to the Cecil, and in trial, three psychiatrists testified that she was mentally confused and she was found not guilty by reasons of insanity. Isn't that fucking crazy? I so, she's like fucking dreaming or something. She, yeah, so she, she also thought that once she gave birth that the baby was stillborn, she thought the baby wasn't breathing. It's hard to um, say, but... So she um, did what anyone would do and threw it out the window. Yeah, she said, <laughs> What the fuck? That one was fucking crazy. Probably the most infamous death connected to the Cecil is that of Elizabeth Short, aka what? the Black Dahlia, in 1947. Reference to our episode three. Uh, she was last seen live at the hotel's bar having a drink just days before she would be found mutilated and murdered. Mm-hmm. In 1964, violence struck again when hotel resident Pigeon, nickname Pigeon, Goldie. <laughs> Birth name Pigeon? Pigeon. <laughs> Pigeon Goldie Osgood was found dead in her room. Osgood was a well-liked retired phone operator who had earned the nickname Pigeon because she fed birds often in nearby Pershing Square. Isn't That's that cute? cute. I know. I'm just imagining like a little, just a little old lady. She had been, trigger warning, she had been raped, stabbed, and beaten to death. And this was a big deal. This was a really big deal at the time because everyone in that surrounding area knew her. That's really fucking sad. Police arrested a hotel employee after he was spotted in Pershing Square in bloodied clothes uh, just a couple of days after, but later he was released, cleared of the crime, and it's not, I mean, we never found out why he was cleared, but, you know, I feel That's like this terrifying. hotel has a lot of cover-ups. Cecil Hotel is known to have hosted two serial killers, Richard Ramirez and Jack Unterweger. Richard Ramirez, known as the Night Stalker, lived at the Cecil for a few weeks in the 1980s, in which we can assume he continued his killing spree. It was reported on several instances that Ramirez would discard bloody clothes in the back alley's dumpster before entering the hotel to walk to his room. Ew. That means, yeah, that means your boy would walk all the way to his room in the hall, half naked or fully naked. I they mean, said sometimes they said sometimes he would walk in fully naked. I'm not joking. He the, would throw away his 
Yeah. The way that you make this hotel seem, I feel like they'd be like, he pays. He did pay. He was paying for so, a week. Can't complain. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, there's 700 rooms. Like, if you're you're obviously gonna get some shady people in them. No one at the hotel seemed to care for his behavior, which further <laughs> his murdering or the clothes. No, I meant the, I meant the clothes. You ding dong. They, yeah, ding dong. They they found out about the murdering. They're like, no, I don't care for that. They found out about his about him being a serial killer. They caught him later on after the hotel. <laughs> That really just demonstrates how shady this place really was. Mm-hmm. In 1991, Austrian journalist Jack Unterweger took up a short-term resident residence in the hotel as he prepared to write an article about prostitution in America. Jack Unterweger is quite a guy. He had been convicted of murder in Austria in 1974, but was released 15 years later after convincing authorities he was reformed in prison. His perfect behavior and remorse to his crime led to his release. I think I've heard of this motherfucker. This guy's crazy, dude. He's crazy. So authorities flaunted and really, they showed, they pretty much showed him off that he was um, a model prison reform. Like he was the poster child for it. He was like very, he was very well known in America and then also Austria. What was the situation surrounding the murder that he committed? Like the first one? Do you know any information about who the, the one that he was arrested for originally? He strangled a woman with her bra. Well, thank God he got reformed. Yeah. So while in LA, he would often go on police ride-alongs in the red light districts to get a deeper feel for the attitude towards prostitution in the US and how it differed from that in Europe. He was like, I want to kill both of them. No, I'm I'm (laughs) saying like this guy was like mastermind. He could manipulate all these people into thinking he was like, okay. And I I really think that during the ride-alongs, he was just like keeping an eye out for a woman he was going to target. Like he... He only 100%. killed sex workers. Like, That's that was sad. his thing. Yeah. And it's crazy. Like, the police were all buddy-buddy with him and think they're just Ugh. helping him with the, with the report and the article. And no, dude, he was literally killing people during the time he was staying at the Cecil. Gross. So, unfortunately, once he got to the Cecil, his crimes only got worse after his release. And in total, he ended up killing 10 to 11 verified more women spanning from Germany Austria, the Czech Republic, and the U.S. So he, huh. he had gone to Germany. He got released in Austria, and then he had gone to Germany and the Czech Republic, and then lastly, he was caught in the U.S. God. The hotel's close proximity to Skid Row gave Unterweger ample opportunity to find sex workers to target. Hmm. He ended up killing three women during his stay at the Cecil, all of which were strangled with their own brassieres. Oh, sex workers or what? I know. And when he finally was caught... I'm not sure I didn't read the details about how he's caught. He ended up being, or on the first night he was in jail, he ended up um, hanging himself, so. God damn it. I know, motherfucker. Eh, well, at least we don't have him on this planet anymore, but. Fair. Okay, and lastly, the most bizarre death of the Cecil was that of Elisa Lam in 2013. Yep. Yep, we talked about this in two episodes ago. And Maybe this, just I, do the babiest recap if someone yes. didn't hear. I've already talked about her on our Unexplained Deaths and Riverpool Instigators episode, but I'm just going to glaze over just in case you didn't listen to that one. So she, um, her body was found naked inside one of the four water tanks that sat atop the hotel. She was last seen in the hotel's elevator surveillance, acting incredibly strange. If you haven't seen the video by now, go watch it. Then it'll make a lot of sense why there was such big media attention on it. We posted and... some of the clip on our Instagram. Yeah, if you go look at our Instagram, you'll see a surveillance video. And obviously, there's a clusterfuck, more bizarre details that I talk about in the other episode. 
but I'm, that's pretty much it. Like, I'm going to cap it off there. I, I've talked about her so much and done like hours of research that I just can't go off on it anymore. It's just, and people think, people think it was an accident or suicide. Just to give a little bit of conclusion if people hear oh, that yeah. and do not feel like going to another episode. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. We don't know um, what happened, basically. Her, her death, so her death was ruled accidental with bipolar disorder being a main factor. So she had bipolar disorder and she wasn't taking her medications apparently at the time or she was taking a weird combination. A lot of people believe that it was an accident accidental death like she fell into the water tank um other people believe that maybe she was killed it was part of a cover-up maybe a hotel employee killed her uh and then some people think that she just wanted to kill herself and then the hotel water tank was the ways of doing that so there's some weird shit and i would recommend listening to the other episode oh and um wow i didn't include this in my notes but i was looking at what it would be like to stay at the cecil hotel now like how much it would cost and Mm -hmm. um I think as of 2000, I think 2011, before Lisa Lamb ever stayed there, they had changed the name from the Cecil Hotel to Stay on Main because they kind of wanted to get rid of that stigma that it was rebrand. Yeah, it literally had a nickname, the Suicide Hotel, and they wanted to kind of like rebrand it. But obviously, that stigma stayed with them. Everyone yeah. knew like it's a it's a really recognizable building. It's now cute. it's just the Suicide Hotel on Main. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, um, but as of, I think so, 2017. I believe a new owner bought it and he was planning on renovating a lot of the rooms and then opening it as a part hotel, part like residential, residential building. Um, But it has yet to open. It was supposed to open in January, 2020, but it hasn't opened yet. So also weird fact, I was trying to find more information, like haunted stories about it and the Cecil hotel and slash the stay on main the TripAdvisor page is completely not there like it doesn't exist oh. anymore. Isn't that weird <laughs> they probably had a lot of like annoying people commenting who had never stayed there before oh yeah i searched for the cecil hotel and i was reading reviews on like just like the google reviews and people were being so fucked up i reported like five people they're making like comments about lisa lamb like oh the water the water was so gross and these are like recent ones like in the last couple months so i'm like you guys are assholes what idiot if you're gonna yeah at least be respectful like that's someone it is a story a very famous story but like that was someone who died she was 21 bro come on that's really sad yeah so i reported like five trolls and i'm like (laughs) bitches yeah this is my good deed of the day (laughs) but i was gonna say i could literally find not a single ghost story nothing nothing haunted i've also heard that it's haunted but no one wants to talk yeah. about that. Nobody. It must be too terrifying. No, it's more just like sketchy, you know? Like you're going to meet sketchy people. You have to worry about like someone, somebody murdering you or somebody kidnapping you, not a ghost like tugging your sheets. Haunting so, you. Yes, that is my story I want to talk about. And we'll take off with Brandy, Brandy. Brandy. There you go. Brandy. Brandy. Well, mine's definitely way shorter than your guys'. It's okay, I'm sleepy. This is going to be bad. I apologize <laughs> in advance. I can't talk. It's okay. And I'm like super tired. So today I'm going to talk about the Driscoll Hotel Ooh. in Austin, Texas. Texas. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Brandy, take it away. <laughs> Thank you. It was built in 1886 by Colonel Jesse Lincoln Driscoll. Is it Colonel? Yeah. Colonel Connell. I don't know. There's a difference. Colin Colonel. <laughs> Brandy. 
I was like, Colo's a weird name. Wait. Colonel? Colonel? Colonel. <laughs> to be fair, it is spelled fucking weird. I don't know which one it is. Let's... It's Colonel. It's almost definitely Colonel. Pretty sure. Oh, anyway, God. he was a successful cattle baron, which I actually didn't know what that was. I was going to say, what is that? <laughs> it's a businessman and landowner. That's just like a term they used back in the day. So something similar to a hotelier? Yeah. Yeah, all these new words. He was all that and, and a colonel? Fuck. <laughs> so the Driscoll Hotel is Austin's original and iconic hotel. Mm. And today remains a landmark of legendary Texas hospitality. It is in the heart of downtown Austin and remains to be one of the premier hotels featuring lavish bridal suites, two restaurants, and a grand ballroom. Oh, not even a regular ballroom, Grand. Oh yeah, it's a it's a Ooh. grand ballroom. Oh shit! It has five floors and a hundred and eighty nine rooms. Oh, isn't that such a random number? It's a very random number. Just a hundred four twenty in mind. That made sense. Yours? <laughs> no. Where's that number even coming from? I don't know. But besides being known for being lavish, the Driscoll is considered one of the most haunted hotels in the U.S. <gasps> Dun, dun, dun. I am curious as to how you supposedly have a very short story, but you have the most haunted hotel. No, the okay, Cecil is the most haunted hotel. Everyone's hotel is called the most haunted yes. hotel. So there are three main stories of ghostly encounters people have had in the Driscoll Hotel. Oh, I was going to say, where? <laughs> <laughs> Just in general. It's too easy tonight. It is. <laughs> Okay, well, technically, there's four. Oh. So the first haunting is actually of Jesse Driscoll, the owner, who it is said was so in love and proud of his creation, he decided to stay in spirit. Uh, many who worked there before and after he passed away claimed to continue to feel his presence even after, like, he was laid to rest. <laughs> they just felt like they were always going to get in trouble by their boss. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, my God. They just felt like he was there. <laughs> criticizing them from beyond the grave Mm -hmm. the second haunting is in room 525 so there's the tale of the suicide brides what about room 525 yes oh is this the same thing yes oh (laughs) skip part of it and i was like brandy (laughs) no my attitude when i said that too i was like um what about the other one (laughs) my bad okay brandy go so the haunting in room 525 is the tale of the suicide brides, mm-hmm. and it describes two separate occasions in which a bride, while on her honeymoon, took their own lives in a bathroom tub. In the same During room, days, though? Yeah, the same room, same bathtub. Same bathtub? 20 years apart. <gasps> oh, fuck. Oh, my God. That's crazy. That's creepy. Um, But after the second, like, suicide, the hotel staff blocked off the bathroom area and shut down the room completely. Um, it remained closed until 1998 when it was reopened after some retraction and remodeling was done. Uh, several strange occur- occurrences happened during the reconstruction, all the way from unexplained leaks to visions and se- sensations of apparitions. Hmm. Like, in and around the room. Would they see the brides? Because that's creepy. <laughs> yeah. Hell no. Um, the third legend is that of the haunting of a little girl that died in 1887. 
They got little girl and suicide brides. Yeah, this story it story goes that this little girl was tracing a ball around at the top of the grand staircase, Mm-mm. and you can guess what happens next. She fall and broke her neck. No, she oh. was shot. <laughs> <laughs> that she, doesn't make any sense. Was Brandy. she actually shot? Oh, I'm trying to be funny. Was she really oh, shot? She actually fell. No, she fell. Oh my god, I thought that was just like a really weird thing that happened. God no. damn you. I'm not laughing at the little girl. I'm laughing because for a I second I was like, what are the- I had to switch it up on you. I was like, what are the chances? I couldn't find anything about her age, just that her dad was a popular senator at the time. Hmm. But like, it doesn't like say anything about her age, but I'm guessing she was like under 10. Probably. If she's playing with a ball in a hotel. Doesn't sound yeah. like teenage shit. Well, I mean, it was back in 1888, too. So. I'm pretty sure that's what they would do till they literally <laughs> died at the age of 30. So this incident was actually the first recording of the paranormal activity. Hmm. And they say if you listen carefully in the halls, you can still hear the sound of giggling and a ball bouncing down the stairs. That's really gross. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And lastly, besides the suicide brides, there was a lady who committed suicide on the fourth floor. Many individuals claim to have seen what appears to be a spirit female out of the corner of their eye. But when they look to see who is standing there, no one is there. Fuck that. In addition, on this floor, it often sounds as if a female is whispering. What kind of things does she whisper? I didn't find anything like what she said, but like, she's like... (laughs) thank you for laughing so hard at that i feel good about it Uh in some instances a woman has been heard crying by the staff even when no one is staying on the floor it's just their co-worker that's having a hard day (laughs) it's just me when i'm at work crying but yeah i i also tried to like look on like reddit and stuff of like actual people's like experiences but i didn't really find anything I just, I did find this one story, it was like, it made me laugh more than anything. They were saying that it was haunted because they found like room service and shit like added to their bill. Oh my and that god. When, when, <laughs> when, when they like went to the, the staff and they were like trying to like, you know, tell them we didn't order this and shit like that, the receipt like disappeared. Sounds like you were just <laughs> tripping. But yeah, that's the haunting of Driscoll Hotel. I could have done some better research, I'll be honest, but... No, that was by far the scariest thing I've ever heard in my life, so... <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> that was great, Brandy. I'm just happy that we made it through this episode, because... Yeah, we've been like Finally. Alright, guys. Sorry again for their quality. Not sorry for mine. I'm perfect. Um, Excuse me! You glitched at first when you said that, so thanks for proving my point. Excuse me! There we go. All right, if you want to follow us on Instagram, it's Tales from the Beyond Podcast. You can email us any ideas, whatever the fuck you want to email us. Tell us about how dumb we are at Tales from the Beyond Podcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at spooky underscore beyond. You can tell your friends to listen to us because we like that. And <laughs> yes, we do, yes, we do. Yes, we do. Everyone, stay home, stay safe. Talk to you guys next week. And don't forget that Carol Baskin killed her husband and fed him to the tigers. She's a husband assassin. Bye, guys. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, my. Brandy's, oh, my. Brandy's being a robot again. Brandy's malfunctioning. Goodbye from oh. Brandy. <laughs> Bye. Bye.